Hello and welcome to another episode of Quality Sense Podcast, a place to learn about everything software testing through great conversations with different thought leaders. My name is Federico Toledo and today in this episode I will share with you the conversation we had with Lewis Prescott. He's from the UK, he is a QA lead at Seracare and has worked across testing projects in different areas such as functional, automation and performance testing. He also volunteers within his local community at Code Club, teaching kids programming skills, which we will talk about later on. We talk about different things. On the technical and pure testing aspects, we talked about contract testing, which has been growing in the past few years in regards to microservice-oriented architectures. And also, you may get a glimpse into Lewis' fatherhood and how it affects his way of managing teams. Yes, we talked about many topics. I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope you will enjoy it too. I'd like to thank my team, Abstracta, for sponsoring and helping me to create this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your products and processes to the next level. Hello, Lewis, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really good, thank you. Amazing, amazing. So maybe for starters, Can you tell me a little bit uh, of yourself? Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name's Lewis. I work for a healthcare startup here in London. Um, also, I'm a father and um, a husband. So yeah, I do lots of things outside of testing as well. Uh, but in my testing side of things, I've also um, speak at conferences, on online courses, have my own podcast. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto that, but that's a bit about me. Amazing. Uh, we've been talking before starting the, the, the interview that uh, I had a chance to attend a, a in-person conference. Mm. The first time before the pandemic, uh, since, since the pandemic started, and yeah. it was amazing. I hope you have the chance to attend one over there in the UK soon. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. yeah. So let me let me know also how you ended up working as a software tester. Yeah, so it was a by chance really, because I did a psychology degree and then I was interested in getting into like psychometric testing. So. Uh, testing people, right? So <laughs> analyzing people's behaviors and, and their... Um, Are you able to improve the quality of a, of a person? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what these companies try and do, right? Like it's often high-level um, people, like C-level people um, who are applying for a job or something, the, the company will, will get them to do these psychometric tests. Because if it comes out that they're like really selfish or or really not um, able to do their job well in, in high pressure situations, um, then this is what these tests 
aim to to show so yeah I was really interested in that and so I worked for a company as an apprentice working for them and I literally did everything I did sales I did marketing I did yeah literally everything for them mainly picking up the phone when someone called um so like first line support but um that got me into testing and then the software side of things yeah just really took my interest and I, I started looking into it um so yeah that's how I got into it and then worked for a consultancy who who provided a graduate scheme and that's that's the rest is history and uh, what are you doing today what am I doing today um so I'm a QA lead at Sarah Care Um, so yeah, I do everything now, like a lot of management, um, and training testers. So teaching and also developers and the rest of, of the development team. Um, but yeah, I've, I've come a long way since I started out in, in testing for sure. So it's also related to the healthcare, um, sector, right? Yeah, so Seracare are, are a company who um, work in carers going into people's homes. Uh, so we provide the software around that. That industry is like really far behind in terms of technology. Uh, so we are basically, yeah, really revolutionizing that industry and taking it into the modern age, if you like. Mm -hmm. So in some way, you are combining your background in uh, psychology or in the health area and also mm -hmm. your experience in software testing that's amazing yeah yeah i really have an interest in, in working in healthcare i think the skills that i have i really want to give back and i really want to contribute towards helping people um and yeah i guess that has come from from my background so i I understand that there are specific challenges in the healthcare industry related to the quality of the products that you uh, produce, right? Can you uh, share with us uh, some of them? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really difficult industry um, because obviously you've got, you're dealing with people's lives, right? So um, the level of quality has to be really high. And also you're dealing with people, especially in, in our industry and in care, where you're dealing with people who haven't really used technology before within their jobs. So it's very new to them. So we're dealing with a startup mentality of trying to build features quickly and release them quickly. We have a couple of releases per week on the mobile, um, but they're trying to like rein that in a bit at the moment. But Yeah, so we're trying to move quickly in a startup world, but we're working in, a, in an industry which needs time to adapt to that and also comes with all of that kind of red tape where you need to be, make sure that you're coming with, with the quality because um, we're regulated by the Health Commission. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult uh, dynamic at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one to be a part of in, in my role. Yeah, I guess the, the challenge is also to find the correct balance between the regulated environment and all mm -hmm. of the things that you have to complain to be compliant 
and yeah. also try to respond quickly to the feedback that you gather from the users and the, the, the customers, right? Yeah, exactly. And another real big challenge that we have is that people are operating in very rural areas. So they are providing care in like the edges of the country, which um, are not really accessible by uh, uh, mobile networks. So yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's challenging. We have to offer quite a few different uh, formats to, to allow people to operate in that way. Amazing. We mentioned that we wanted to discuss today specifically about contracts, contract testing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't have personally uh, much experience around that. So how sure. would you explain the term or the concepts behind it to someone who is new to contract testing? Yeah, so that's a really common question, right? Lots of people have heard of it, but don't necessarily have the kind of knowledge Um, to be able to explain it. So for me, the way that I like to describe it is it's flipping integration, text, integration testing upside down. So the traditional way that you operate integration tests is you have the, the service, the API service, and that sends a request and then you receive a response and you validate in that way. But what the contract testing does is it puts the power in, in the user's perspective. So when we think about a user of a service, we're talking about a web app, a mobile app. So they are the users in this context. So what they are doing is they are providing the scenarios and then the API service just replays them. So we're not, we're not validating our own service anymore the user is validating the service. Um, so I think hopefully that that's described it in a simple way. Yeah, and I understand that the user is uh, also another developer who is using that service, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and you're providing that user documentation tests, uh, well, the scenarios, and all yeah. what that person needs in order to understand the service. And yeah be sure that it's going to work as expected, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Because we, we all use like documentation tools now to communicate what our APIs are doing. But what we're not doing with, the, with that documentation is actively testing it. And that's where contract testing comes in to say, okay, you've provided this documentation, but do you comply with this documentation? Um, And also it's a moving target, right? Software is always moving. So we need to make sure that we're keeping on top of any changes that we make. So it makes sense. And when we are talking about, uh, about this, is specifically focus on the functional side of things, or you can contemplate other quality factors like performance, security, or other things? So you leave the functional side of things to the unit testing, and the integration end-to-end -end testing. And contract testing offers the like schema-based testing. So any interactions that you have, that can be validated within the contract. So what you're expecting within the response to render on the web app or any requests. So whether it's a 404 or a bad request, All those interactions you can test via in contract testing. 
any logic, you leave that for other types of tests. Um, but yeah, it's purely that interaction that you're having that you are testing. It doesn't cover any of the kind of performance aspects because you're doing it completely in isolation. So the, the services don't communicate with each other in this type of testing. They, the, the web app for the, the user side of things uses a mock and then the API service just replays it against their service. Um, so they're not interacting again. So yeah, there's no other, it's very isolated. Okay, perfect. And how do you do that? I mean, I guess that you need some sort of uh, tools or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually use Pact, which is a tool which allows you to do this. It has uh, supports many different languages. There's also native ways to do it. Like in Java, they have Spring Cloud Contract package, um, which is native to the, to the Spring um, packages. And then Also, I implemented it at Cancer Research, where it was a, a like asynchronous type of testing. And what we did is we just stored the contracts in, in GitHub and just pulled them down from there. So contract testing is just the, the type, right? It's just the, the, the way to describe how you, the interactions that you're making. So you can do it in any way you like. Um, But it's just, yeah, the tools the tools have been built for that purpose and they make it much easier. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you you can uh, coordinate with the rest of the team to follow the practice using different mm -hmm. tools, but there are mm -hmm. specific platforms that make things easier in order to be more integrated in the same environment with all the different parts required for the development following a contract testing approach, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and they offer helpers and they offer um, guidelines on, on how you can do it. Um, so yeah, it does make it much easier. Um, and there's a, there's a strict format of, of how you do it. Um, Pact also offers some tools to allow you to verify when, when the contracts have been, um, have been tested. So Yeah, it's, it's a nice way to, to, to close the loop, um, if you like, when you're doing contract testing. Okay. And, you know, typically I, I've seen this discussion before that if you need testing, it's something that is specifically for developers or, or yeah. if testers could also add some value in unit testing. How do you feel this applies to contract testing? It's something that it's specifically for developers test automators or tester can contribute also? There is a specific way to collaborate within the different roles or how, what, what's your vision on that? Yeah, so usually um, the developers are, are the ones that would write the contract tests because it lives directly next to the code. So anytime you make a change to the contract, you want the contract tests to be updated, right? So you have to write the tests in line with the, with the code. Um, so in environments where the testers are removed from that, that code base, um, then often it won't be them who is writing the test. But in my experience where you're working with 
with roles like software developer and test, or you're working with testers that are really working very closely with the developers, um, then yeah, in environments like that, uh, testers absolutely get involved. And it's important for them to get involved in, in the types of interactions because you will have a number of scenarios that you need to run against these contracts. Like, as I mentioned before about the, the bad request or the, the not found errors and stuff like that. So developers are not necessarily going to go all the way into thinking about all the different edge cases. And that's where the tester can really provide value in that. So like a collaboration, maybe small brainstorming sessions or per, uh, per review or per testing or per programming? How, how's the yeah. dynamic in order to, to get the both visions uh, contributing to the same uh, uh, feature, I would say? I don't know. Yeah, so I always endorse pair programming. Um, but yeah, we... <laughs> Uh, Sarah, um, one of my QAs, has brought it over from another company, um, but they have testing parties. Um, so, yeah, there's no development on those days. Everyone's just testing. Um, and that's where, yeah, you can really provide time for those kind of pair mob testing, pair testing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but the... the, the uh... Maybe the question is how, what's your advice for a tester or a test automator if they want to get involved with the development following mm -hmm. a contract testing approach? Yeah, good question. It's a good question. Um, so the contract testing framework, once it's set up, it's easy to add tests afterwards. Um, so I guess that's a route for, for testers to take. Once it's set up, they can get involved and start adding scenarios. Um, but if they want to get involved in that process, setting it up for a new service or anything like that, yeah, absolutely. I would say um, pair with a, a developer to, to work out how it can fit in and also set up the, all those steps that I mentioned before about setting up Okay, you set up the consumer side, you set up the provider, you set up the, the store. And then it's once you've got it all mapped out, then you can just plug and play uh, where you need to. Um, but yeah, it might need a, a developer to, to get, you, get you started. And maybe another thing that now comes to mind is how is this related with the traditional API testing approach? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you should do as a complement of the contract testing? Is something that you do in order to explore different scenarios and maybe then you add some of those cases to your contract? How, how is it? Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a pair. You want to pair them together. They work well together. Um, But the benefits of contract testing is that you, you're running it locally as like a unit test, so it's much quicker. And you can also add lots of scenarios and you don't have to scale your, your API tests, for example. So you can run all of these tests in parallel um, because they are so isolated. There's no need for you to worry about um, them tripping over each other. So 
that's where it comes in. So you can move a lot of your tests where you're testing things like error codes and things like that. You can move them down to the contract level. And then you would still want to have your integrated API test because when you deploy to an environment, you still want to make sure that the configuration is right. You want to make sure that the logic is coming through correctly. Um, so all of that stuff still exists, but the contracts allows you to kind of have those finer tuned tests at a lower level, which will run much quicker. Amazing. And to wrap up this part of the, of the conversation, uh, what do you think is, are the, more, the most important advantages of following this approach? Yeah, so uh, Packflow hosted a, a webinar the other day about uh, a use case which they went through and they evaluated the advantages. Um, so Singular was the agency that, that ran that and they spoke about some benefits. One of them being the manual testing effort was reduced because in a microservice architecture, sometimes it's quite difficult to test that end-to-end -end scenario with, with automated tests. But when you put contract testing into that, you have the confidence that all the integrated pieces integrate successfully. So then you can reduce that, those end-to-end -end scenarios that you were worried about before. And also because you're running them in isolation, you can reduce the environment costs So you don't have to spin up an environment which is fully integrated anymore. You don't have to spin up an environment for your CI pipeline. All those things are contained. And also time to, to resolving the bugs that you find because you've now got this picture. So one of the benefits of contract testing, it paints a picture of what services talk to each other. So you can see that clearly and it's, you can identify specifically, okay, this interaction broke and this error was thrown, okay, I can see that in the, in the visualization of which, which services communicate with each other. So it helps to provide more feedback, feedback loops and also to try to go straight to where the problems uh, of the last changes are located, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you tagging, versioning, all of that stuff's built in. So you can clearly see, okay, this version broke with this integration. So yeah, you can pinpoint it very quickly. Amazing. Excellent. Thank you, Lewis, for all that knowledge and experience. <laughs>where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. Today, today you mentioned that you are also um, a father, uh, that yes. you have a daughter, right? Uh-huh. How old is she? She's just turned one. So, oh, yeah. Okay. And I know that you wanted to mention something related to, I would like to learn more about uh, your experience in those first months, because mm -hmm. you mentioned something that you had uh, a shared parental leave with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So in the UK, you can split your, your parental leave. So she did the first nine months and then I did the last three months. So 
I had three months from my daughter being nine months until one year old. So yeah, it was a really, it was a really great time. I got to see her start walking, start talking, all that stuff. So yeah, it was really nice to be around for that period of time. Um, but I would say it's it's more challenging than the nine to five working environment because <laughs> there is no there is no time off when you're on parental it's a 24 7 job so yeah I just wanted to uh, mention that for all the the dads out there that I went through it too and it's uh yeah it's a challenging time how that changed how how that that experience changed Mm. your perspective as a manager as a as a leader yeah big time yeah I think before when I worked for a company especially a startup right like I put in all the hours hit like weekends evenings all that stuff and I took that for granted Um, and now as a manager I'm very much like looking to make things flexible for my team like we're a fully remote team so yeah whenever they want to work from home it's all good right like it makes such a difference the commute for me it's very short I'm very lucky I live in central London but for some people they're commuting like an hour hour and a half each each side each day so it's a long time and and that's time that you don't get to spend with your children so yeah I definitely admire (laughs) people who who worked pre-pandemic when it was expected to be in the office. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed my perspective. Yeah, and I think you you what you are doing it's not only great for you because I understand that it was a great experience for you, mm-hmm. but also it's amazing to the the fact that you are also sending a message to your people that this is mm-hmm. something that you as a leader consider that this is the the right thing to do the normal Mm -hmm. thing and by doing this you're also telling them that they should do the same that they should uh, spend time with their family uh, prioritize what it's really important uh, and to be flexible with the rest of the team so that's an amazing message for your team Uh, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to mention that because I really admire admire leaders that can uh, you know, stand on that position and also uh, not only in words, but in actions to show yeah. what what the people should do to take care of themselves and to be happier with their lives and with, with their jobs, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's really nice to be able to spend time with your family. And yeah, it's difficult to do that in the, in the work work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a horizon that we should try to uh, get closer, sure. right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So another thing that you mentioned that is that you're involved in some cold club for kids. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so when I when I worked for ASOS, I um, they gave me a few hours every week and I went off and I taught kids to code in a local school in Camden um, which was an amazing experience like kids have so much creativity and they think in a completely different way 
So if you were teaching an adult how to do something like how I teach testers and developers how to do something is completely different how you approach it for children. Um, so yeah, it's a really cool experience. And there's one kid, um, he was autistic and he, he was just amazing with patterns and he came up with this rainbow design. I sent them all away and I, I said, you need to make this picture out of CSS. And then he just made a rainbow out of nowhere. It's just like such an, a rewarding experience to see someone thrive in that environment, you know, um, because in other subjects, he may not, he may not be able to, to follow, but yeah, with that, he just went off and his creativity took him to a place. Yeah. It's really cool. That's amazing. I can really relate to, to those experiences, teaching people and trying to find what they make us thrive and, and mm. what really motivates them. It's really important. Yeah. And also you as, a, as the teacher learn much more than them, right? Definitely. definitely. Trying to explain from different perspectives, especially for kids. I, I, I participated in a, in a project where we taught uh, testing to people with less resources in order to help them to break into technology and yeah. trying to explain things that for you, it's the day-to-day the -day language. So yeah. you have to stop and explain basic terms. It mm. also helps you to really understand what you are talking about. Definitely. Uh, and to be more empathetic with, uh, uh, to be more empathetic with, uh, with the rest of the people and understand mm. their, their, uh, their thinking process. Definitely. Well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think in education as well, I think programming is going to be part of education going forwards. And yeah. the UK is definitely a little bit behind some other European countries um, and especially in Asia. So, I mean, it's great to give these kids this opportunity and yeah, hopefully it will become part of the curriculum uh, very soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, my wife is a um, is a scientist. She she's doing she's a biochemist, and she's uh -huh. doing some voluntary uh, work for some institutions who try to motivate children, and kids, and young teenagers to get into STEM. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is really fascinated about how the curiosity of the small kids. Mm make a really difference in the way they approach a problem because they, they, they typically have some games or puzzles in order yeah. to motivate them to play and learn something related to science. Yeah. And in those games, they learn a lot. You have to be patient mm -hmm. because they take their time uh, by exploring, but this is also part of the learning process and to develop this uh, critical thinking that we all need in especially in our jobs now yeah. and in the future right yeah definitely so, yeah. so that's uh it's amazing that there are many many places paying attention to teach programming and science mm. to to kids for sure so, Lewis, uh, a couple of final questions um sure. i would like to ask you to recommend uh, a book Mm -hmm. It could be about anything, software testing or any other topic. Mm -hmm. Which would you like to recommend our, our audience? So I really recommend the, the project, 
the unicorn project um i thought it was a really great read it's a really easy read um i think it's really good to to understand the day-to-day -day of how software works um so i recommend it for that reason amazing um do you have any other recommendation or you want to invite uh our our audience to anything else um so i have a podcast as well um how to get started with contract testing uh so take a listen to that on my website it's pacman.co.uk also on there i have a few blog articles linked to my courses um and all stuff all that good stuff Amazing. I will share the links to all those resources in the episode's notes. And uh, I want to thank you so much for your time. It was uh, amazing to have a conversation about different topics, mm -hmm. uh, some more technical, some more related to life mm -hmm. in general, which is uh, also a, a very important part of ourselves. So thank you so much, Luis. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. See you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios, amigos.